This is all new, all exciting, not for the dinner table recording. I can see you. I can see you. Across the airwaves, blasted into your ears. And my eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, my eyes, my beautiful eyes. (laughs) You're blasting them. (laughs) (sighs) You didn't tell me you were going to be able to see me. I was, um, I could have been like in the nude. (laughs) I like to record in the nude now. (laughs) Is that how you recorded the last two episodes? In the nudie. Totally starkers. Totally starkers. (laughs) It's the only way to do podcasting now. Welcome to Not For The the Dinner Table! Socially Distant! Edition! (laughs) This is the socially distant saga of Not For The Dinner Table. Do you know what? I'm so fucking over this saga. (laughs) It needs to end. It really does. Yeah. I've had enough of it, but we've got an end date. Thank God. Hopefully... That's what we're going to work towards. Yeah. And come June the 21st, Sophie and Dave are going to go on a big fat bender. A massive bender. We're not not coming home for at least a week. Yeah. We're we're literally like, hide your wife, hide your kids. Yep. We're going. Yep. Watch out, little Dean. Watch out, little (laughs) Dean. The double barrel bell ends are out. Double barrel bell ends. <laughs> Hit the time. And for new so listeners inspired. to the podcast, we're called the double barrel bell ends because we both have double barreled surnames. Anyway, yes. <laughs> welcome <laughs> listeners to the realm of socially distant sugar balls, high strangeness, and thankfulness to Norse gods. Thanks, Thanks Odin. Odin. We are a podcast that talks about all things we find strange and interesting, going from mythical legend to conspiracies with sides of ghosts, hauntings, with sprinklings of aliens and cryptids. And on today's episode, mm. episode 59, what are we talking wow. about, Sophie? Amazing. We're talking about mythical creature surprise. Mythical creature surprise. Is that how the jingle goes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mythical creature surprise. <laughs> I love the surprise episodes. They're fantastic. So exciting. So have you had a good week? Um, yeah, I've had a very good week. We've just come out of half term, so it was mm. nice not to homeschool. Mm-hmm. Went back to get to homeschooling today. This morning was a dream. Yeah. Took him took uh, little Ernie out for a walk today. 
uh, and that ended in complete disaster and it ended up with him biting my arm. Oh, gosh. Yeah, so... <laughs> he just really, really didn't want to go for a walk. Didn't want to get back in the car. <laughs> he was like, I'm not done. I am not done with this walk, mother. <laughs> uh, he was like um, wild. Wild. wild child. Yeah, anyway, he's gone to bed early tonight because he was pooped. Oh, good. Yeah. Saw that walking. I know, he was a little bastard. Yeah. <laughs> Saw that walking and all that biting. Yeah, I love him really. <laughs> and me. How's your week been, Dave? Busy, busy, busy. We been now busy live bitch. in one room of our house. Oh because my God. The upstairs is being decorated and we have just started having our fire installed in the living room. So yeah, now we're down to one room. Oh, which and is how's that going? Great. <laughs> Like I would be, what I've learned from this experience is that I could never go to prison. Oh my God. I couldn't. I couldn't live in such small confines. No. I can can never break the law to the extent where I would go to prison. Well, I think the problem is, is that we're not supposed to spend this long with just one person either. No. You know, it's it's difficult times. It's difficult times, but there, there is light at the end of the tunnel. It's coming. The end is nigh. And I like that hopefully, do you yeah. th- well, hopefully for listeners in other countries and mm. for UK listeners that just don't give a crap what Boris Johnson says, <laughs> the date that everything should return fully to normal yes. is the 21st of June, yeah. 2021, which is the summer solstice. It is. So do you think that maybe... Boris is a pagan, or yep. <laughs> do you think that he was planning for um, it to be the 21st of June so it could be the longest day? So Maybe. get the, mo- get the get, most out of the drinking sesh. Get the most out of the pubs, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's it. I can't wait. I just hope that that happens. I can't wait to go oh, to a pub. It will. Well, we can we can beer garden uh, soon, can't we? can beer it? garden at the end of March. Yes. Welcome to the um, <laughs> beer lockdown garden edition, <laughs> the beer garden sessions. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we could totally do that. Sharon and Sam would totally let us do that in the yeah. beer garden. The beer garden sessions. Yeah. I like that idea. Excellent. Oh, so have you got any news? Yeah. Oh. I know. Don't faint. God. I've got two pieces. Oh my gosh, you've got more than me. They're only small though, they're only small. So is it going to be a Sophie News sandwich again? Am I going to go in between? Well, I'm a bit frightened whenever you go first that you're going to have what I've got. <laughs> sure, well, I'll get. I'll go in the middle. Okay. Are you ready to sing the jingle abysmally? I'm ready, ready, <laughs> ready, ready. I can't wait till we're back together and can actually sing it properly. Yeah. And in hindsight, we should yeah. record the jingle so we can just edit it in no. if we have to go into a lockdown. No, it needs no. to be original each time, It needs to be it? of the moment, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. the beauty of the jingle. <laughs> anyway, let's okay. go. No, no news is good, good news, but, but some news might be nice, nice news. news. Not, Not for, for the, the dinner, dinner table. table. News! 
I think that was the best we've ever done. That was quite good. We almost met up. Yeah. <laughs> Loved that. So, right, Safe, what you got for me? Bigfoot sighting in Florida. Shut up. The Daily Star reports Bigfoot was caught on film lolloping over a field in Florida. Oh, I love a good lollop. And me, lolloping. What a great word. Lolloping. Ty- <laughs> Tyler Howell, who uploaded the video to YouTube, said the shape looked like slouched over and very odd. Ooh. One comment on the video thread said, it has a human gait with erect posture, not the sloped head or high leg kick and swinging arms of the Bigfoot. <laughs> I love that the Bigfoot's got a high leg kick. <laughs> I just feel like it's like one of the chorus line and it's just I going know. through the shrubbery like, bam, bam. Yeah. <laughs> Look at me, jazz hands. <laughs> Look at my leg. <laughs> Look at my high kick, bam. <laughs> but they also added um, that it could possibly be a juvenile Sasquatch. Oh, so they really do think it is a Sasquatch then or well, a Bigfoot? I watched the video and I will post a screenshot of it to our Instagram um, when this episode goes up. But I think it just looks like a man <laughs> walking uh, across. Um, but, you know, I don't I don't even think he's lolloping no. myself. But, you know, it's always good to have a little Bigfoot sighting. Isn't oh, it? gosh, yeah. What yeah. do you think is the difference between a normal walk and a lollop then? Well, I think it's a little bit more sloppy, you know, like they're, they're almost dancing to their own tune, oh, you know, got a yeah. bit of a, like a bit of a, a swagger. Bit of rhythm to their, yeah. their movement. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. A lollop. A lollop. To move rhythmically. Yes. That's right, yes. <laughs> we'll remember that for when we're on countdown. Yeah. <laughs> well done. Right, so go on then. I've got some Florida news as well. Have you? Yeah. So this is a bit of an old news story, but it was mm. so weird that I had to share it. Florida man proposes using rings stolen from another lover. Amazing. Detective said <laughs> the victim saw her boyfriend's new fiance wearing a wedding band and engagement ring identical to her own pair from a previous marriage. Oh. A Florida man stole an engagement ring and wedding bands from a girlfriend and then used them to propose to another girlfriend, according to the authorities. I mean, what a prick. The investigation started earlier this year when a woman from Orange City, Florida, told detectives she had discovered her boyfriend was actually engaged to someone else. And when she looked at the Facebook uh, the Facebook page of the fiancé, she noticed a photo of her wearing the wedding band and engagement ring that was identical to hers from a previous marriage. Oh, no. When the Orange City woman checked her jewellery box, she found her rings were missing, as were several other pieces of jewellery, including a diamond ring that belonged to her grandmother. The total value of the stolen property was $6,270. Wow. It's not, it's not clear yet whether she has received the rings back. I hope so. Imagine that. Yeah, I know. 
That'd be right weird, wouldn't it? Mm. Be like, oh, I, th- I think those are my rings. But then <laughs> she didn't notice that they'd gone missing. No, until she saw them. No. Until she... But I bet she was absolutely raging when oh, she yeah. found out that he was with somebody else. And then she stalked her on Facebook and then was like, that bitch has got my rings on. Yeah. Oh, you'd I'd be mad. Sin my ass, I would have. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful turn of phrase, that is, Dave. <laughs> <sighs> right, so my last little ditty is Elon Musk has tweeted that he is an alien. What? After being asked how he ran so many multi-million pound companies, he replied saying, I'm an alien. The majority of the world have taken it as a funny comment, but some say they knew it all along. And this is a brazen confession from the multi-millionaire. Oh. Yeah, so he's an alien or maybe he's a lizard person. Some people think that he's from a parallel dimension because he just like all of a sudden appeared on the world stage, didn't he? Like, yes. you know, if you go back to 2010, did yeah. we know who Elon Musk was? 2007? I didn't, I I didn't know. No. All of but a sudden that, he's I everywhere. Mean, I don't know who most people are. So. <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't really say much. But yeah, I totally understand. I don't think, I do think that he's just like, an apparition he's yeah. appeared he's have you seen that he's put artificial intelligence into a monkey's brain oh no i know if that's not you know the start of rise of the planet of the apes i don't yeah. know what it is i mean come on we don't want to go down that route do we he's a bit weird isn't he i mean yeah. he jettisoned a car into space which is mm. now in orbit around the asteroid belt i think yeah but if anyone's going to get people to Mars, it's probably going to be him. Yeah, that's true. And we have um, got a new vehicle on Mars, haven't we? Yeah. Which is quite cool. Do you think it's going to find life? I love that you can actually hear what it's like on Mars. Have you watched I've... any of the footage? No. Oh, you can hear. <gasps> the Martian winds. Mm. Oh, yeah. That's weird. It's amazing. Take a listen. Yeah. Yeah. Right, Dave, let's get down to it. Okay then, Dave. Well, this week, you know I love a good word that I can't say. I love it. Especially after I've had a drink. (laughs) So, with that in mind, I'm talking about Quetzalcoatl. Oh, my God. <laughs> what the oh. fuck is a Quetzalcoatl? Wish Never me luck. <laughs> Good luck. So Quetzalcoatl is the winged serpent god of the ancient Mesoamerica. Mm. Referred to as the plumed or feathered serpent in English, the name Quetzalcoatl is a combination of two words, Quetzal, which is the emerald plume bird, and cottle, which means serpent. Lovely. So there are many stories around Quetzalcoatl's birth or origin. So, you know, similarly to how um, the Greek gods came from Kronos and things like that. Yes, yeah. So the first is that Quetzalcoatl was born to the virgin goddess Chimalman when the god Ontiol appeared in a dream. The second is that the goddess 
Chimmel Man swallowed an emerald and conceived Quetzalcoatl. I think that's my favourite one. Yeah. The third is that Chimmel Man was hit in the womb by the hunter god Mixcoatl, and nine months later she gave birth to a child and called it Quetzalcoatl. I mean, no one wants to be hit in the womb. <laughs> well, that's like such a strange phrase, it's isn't it? Such a weird thing to say. Oh my God, where did she hit you? In the womb. <laughs> and the fourth, no. the fourth is that Quetzalcoatl was born of the goddess Coatlicue, who had 400 children which formed the Milky Way. So all of her children formed the Milky Way galaxy. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. So Quetzalcoatl is thought to have been worshipped as far back as the 13th century BC across multiple Mesoamerican civilizations. But several centuries later, the cult of Quetzalcoatl appears. The cult of Quetzalcoatl. I know. I feel like we need to investigate that more yeah. at some point. One civilization worshipped worshipped Quetzalcoatl as a vegetation god, a deity of the earth and water, and was closely connected to, to oh God, Tlal <laughs> and was closely connected to Tlaloc, a rain god. It's really difficult to say T and L. Yeah. Loc. I think you're doing a very good job. Thank and I you. think you do make your work extremely <laughs> difficult for yourself. I know. I can't wait till we get away from mythical creatures with shitty names. <laughs> <laughs> when one civilization passed to another, substantial changes occurs to Quetzalcoatl's story and what they are the god of. For example, when the Toltecs come to power, Quetzalcoatl was transformed into the god of the morning and evening star and the god of war and human sacrifice, which were central features of this culture. As Quetzalcoatl was linked to the morning and evening star, they were also seen as a symbol of death and rebirth. Ah. During the Aztec period, Quetzalcoatl's role as a solar deity continued, though they adopted a number of other roles. They became the protector of goldsmiths and other craftsmen, and were considered to be the god of learning, science, crafts, arts, and agriculture. So, getting a bit greedy now. Yeah, that's a lot of stuff, isn't it? Yeah. It's, or maybe they were like, maybe they were like, oh, no, he's the god of this. Or when they couldn't think of who should be the god of it, they just went, oh, just give it to Quetzalcoatl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She'll have that one. She'll have that <laughs> <laughs> Quetzalcoatl is also said to have invented the calendar and discovered maize, which were two important features of Aztec civilization. And they also became associated with the winds and the rain clouds, probably because they were needed to grow things. Yeah. But eventually, Quetzalcoatl is elevated to creator god status. And according to the Aztecs, Quetzalcoatl was one of the four sons of the original creator gods. Quetzalcoatl and his brother, Tezcatlipoca, were given the task of creating the world. In one version of the myth, the siblings continuously fought each other, which resulted in the creation and the destruction of several successive ages. 
in the first age, Quetzalcoatl attacked his brother with a stone club, causing his enraged brother to command his jaguars to eat all the people of the world. Wow. The Aztecs believed that this cycle of creation and destruction has happened four times and that we're currently living in the fifth age. So when you talk about like the Mayan prophecy of like 2012 and things like that, I know the Mayans are different to the Aztecs, but it's that similar sort of creation and destruction myth of that's what potentially 2012 was meant to be. Right. Obviously didn't happen or did it and we're in some kind of carnage world yeah some uh like parallel universe exactly switched us over in an alternative version of the myth the siblings are more cooperative and succeeded in creating the earth and sky by transforming themselves into giant serpents and ripping a female reptilian monster known as sipsati in half Oh no, poor old Sip Sati. I know. <laughs> so the gods then go on to create the sun, the moon, the first man and first woman and all of the other gods. So Quetzalcoatl's appearance changes drastically depending on the region, era and context. He generally appears as a plumed serpent, although sometimes he has human features as well. Oh. Sometimes when he's more human, he would wear a duckbill mask with fangs and shell jewellery. Nice. In other (laughs) cases, he has a more intimidating appearance, including a black mask, elaborate headdress and a weapon. As I've mentioned, the Aztecs believed in the cycle of creation and destruction. And it was thought that when the conquistadors landed in 1519, the emperor Moctezuma II initially (laughs) believed that Hernan Cortez was the returning Quetzalcoatl. So they thought that this man was the incarnate of Quetzalcoatl. Oh my God, like the creator. Yes. The Aztec believed that Tezcatlipoca, Quetzalcoatl's brother, ruled the Fifth Age And while they thought that the fifth sun was the last sun, e.g. after the fifth age, that's it, no more, done and dusted. Yeah, you've had your chance. Yes. It was not a foregone conclusion that Tezcatlipoca would remain in charge for the entirety of the fifth age. Right. If Quetzalcoatl did return, how would they know who he was? Which Mm. is why Moctezuma II thought that Hernan Cortes was the return of Quetzalcoatl when he received word that the Spanish had arrived on the eastern coast. Right. Because in some of the fables that I'm going to talk to you about around Quetzalcoatl, it was known in myth that Quetzalcoatl had departed from that territory by the sea in the east. Oh. Yeah. So, apparently, Moctezuma sent a gift of food and ceremonial clothing of four gods, one set of which belonged to Quetzalcoatl, to the newcomers, presumably to ascertain their true intentions. Cortes may have looked the part of a god, what with bearing the conical helmets of the time and arriving via wind-powered sailing vessels, 
I don't know why I used wind-powered sailing vessels and why I didn't just say ships, but there you go. Sailing boats. <laughs> but his actions soon revealed that he was not the morally upstanding Quetzalcoatl. Oh, no. But ultimately, the legend of Moctezuma and the Aztecs, believing that Cortez was Quetzalcoatl, was just that, a legend, retroactively turned into historical fact by Spanish writers. These writers may have misinterpreted a speech by Moctezuma that he gave to Cortez or simply invented the idea because it fit their historical expectations. So, you know, when they go in and conquer and destroy, yeah. they're like, oh no, but they thought that we were their god. Yeah. So, yeah, that's their get out clause, basically. Yeah. They said that they said that we were the gods, so then we like, you know, Killed them all. Yeah, we just had to do what they said. (laughs) Took all their gold. (laughs) So to finish up, I've got three little pieces of legend surrounding Quetzalcoatl. Lovely. The first is how Quetzalcoatl creates humans. I liked this because it was a little bit different to um, other creation myths around humans. Mm. Because a lot of them focus on like clay and mud as we talked about in our last episode yes we did so to create humans quetzalcoatl journeyed to the underworld and collected some bones he was accompanied by his companion solitol a dog-headed god the two gods that ruled the underworld whose names i don't think i can pronounce (laughs) but i'll give it a go come on mick mick no i can't okay The two gods that ruled the underworld gave him a puzzle that he was expected to complete before they would allow him to leave with the bones. He was given a conch shell without holes and was told that he had to blow into the conch shell and make a noise. Quetzalcoatl enlisted the help of some worms to make holes in the shell and put bees inside it so that it would make a sound, passing the test. Strangely, though, he decided that rather than accept the bones for passing the test, he was going to steal them anyway. Right. And pretended to leave the underworld with nothing. He was caught by one of the underworld gods who was outraged at the deceit. And made, and so they made a pit for Quetzalcoatl to fall in. He dropped the bones and mixed all the male and female parts together so he couldn't tell the difference. Eventually, and I don't know how, possibly because he was a god, Mm. he was able to escape the pit with the bones and he took the bones to the snake goddess who formed them into human beings by mixing the bones with corn and some of Quetzalcoatl's blood. And that's how first humans were made. Nice. Yeah. I like that. The second is how he finds maize. Right. So according to legend, the Aztec people initially only had access to roots and wild games like root veg. Right. At that time, maize was located on the other side of a mountain range that surrounded the Aztec homeland. Apparently, other gods had already attempted to retrieve the maize by moving the mountains, but their efforts had been unsuccessful. Where others had approached the problem with brute strength, Quetzalcoatl chose to rely on his sharp mind. 
he proceeded to turn himself into a black ant and followed the other ants over the mountains. After a long and difficult journey, Quetzalcoatl reached the maze and brought a kernel back to the Aztec people. Just one little kernel. Yeah, well, that's all you need, isn't it? One seed. Yeah, true. And you just hope that it doesn't go off. That's all I had in Stardew Valley the other day. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Hopefully the seasons didn't change. No, thank God. I'm used to it now. (laughs) Other versions of this legend featured Quetzalcoatl discovering a great mountain of seeds that he could not move himself. So he enlisted the help of Nana Houtzin, who destroyed the mountain with lightning and with the seeds laid bare, Tlaloc, a rain god often associated with Quetzalcoatl, proceeded to snatch them up and scatter them across the land. So it's either Quetzalcoatl doing it all on his own or yeah. three gods coming together to help out. Or he got his mates round yeah. and said, let's get the maze. Let's get the maze. Yeah. And finally, Quetzalcoatl defeated. So mm. one, one myth describes how Quetzalcoatl came to an end. In the myth, the god is embodying the priest king of Tula. As the priest king, he decided to never offer human sacrifices again, only plants or small animals. So no no human blood, no human sacrifice. Yeah, I'm down with that. Yeah, absolutely. However, his brother, Tezcatlipoca, was not down with that. He was raging. He went ballistic safe (laughs) did he go ballistic and not in a good way (laughs) so he wanted ballistic on the internet he went ballistic on the internet (laughs) he wanted to get rid of quetzalcoatl once and for all so and what better way to get rid of someone than by getting them drunk oh that's my favorite way to do it so Tezcatlipoca got Quetzalcoatl absolutely smashed to the point where he committed incest with his sister. No. Yeah. Come when, on. When Quetzalcoatl awoke, he was so ashamed, he wandered the Atlantic coast. In one myth, he built a pyre and burned himself to death, later emerging as the planet Venus in the sky. Venus. Venus. (laughs) Quetzalcoatl. (laughs) Come on, Quetzalcoatl. Come on, Venus. (laughs) (laughs) And in another myth, he sailed away on a raft made of snakes never to be seen again. Wow. Yeah. So that is a little quick history of Quetzalcoatl. Oh, I loved it. I've never heard of Quetzalcoatl before. Yeah. Well, I sometimes focus so much on like Roman gods, Egyptian gods yes. and Greek gods. I was yes. like, oh, let's have a look at some others. Yeah, good plan. In mythical surprise. Mythical creature surprise. Yeah. I love it. Thank Thanks, you. Babe. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Venus. Uh, Venus. <laughs> <laughs> it's just such a fun word to say. It's such a great word to say. <laughs> such great word.
right, Dave. I'm yeah. going to talk to you tonight about griffins. <gasps> oh. I'm quite excited to do this, actually. I adore griffins and I can't wait to hear her. I can't her? wait to hear more. <laughs> <laughs> can't wait to hear more about griffins. <laughs> I cannot wait to hear everything you have to say about <laughs> Griffins. <laughs> oh, dear. What does it look like? So, <laughs> I'm going to tell you now. It's predominantly pictured as a lion with eagle's wings. It had pointed, upturned ears like we see in Egyptian depictions with a crest on its head. So like, um, you know, like when you see pictures of lynx in Egyptian times, they've got those really pointy ears. Yeah. Like that. Sometimes it is pictured with the spotted chest of a leopard. And in classical times, all four of its feet were of a lion, but that later became the front feet lion paws and the back to eagle talons or Ooh. the other way around. Wow. Anyway, it's a mean-looking beast. Its name comes from the Greek word giphos, meaning hooked or curved. It's one of the oldest magical creatures and still remains a powerful protector of modern-day businesses with many banks, motor cars and breweries using it in their logos. Oh. So there's a lot of griffins around. There is. <clears throat> Right, a little bit on the history of griffins. It's rooted in Egyptian and Mesopotamian art from 3000 BC. In Sumerian myth, it is the ride of the weather god Iskir. Iskir? Oh. It's believed to have spewed great torrents of water from its mouth onto the desert landscape. Wow. In the Middle East, it started to be associated with protection being depicted over the doors in a cherub-like style on the Ark of the Covenant. <gasps> Noah, Noah's Ark to me and you, you know. Yeah. Oh, I thought the Ark of the Covenant was Indiana Jane's Ark. No, no I think no. it's Noah's Ark. Ah, okay. <clears throat> um, so that had uh, old cherubim's on the side of it, griffin cherubims. By 17,000 BC, the griffin was thought of as one of the mightiest animals of all time. We see it in King Minos's palace on Crete, fighting off bulls and lions all over the walls of his throne room. And Greeks ran with this and used the griffin to adorn vases, lyres, seals, jewellery, and predominantly to be carved upon tombs to guard the dead. The Greek goddess of justice, Nemesis's chariot, was drawn by avenging griffins. Wow. Her job was to protect the good and punish the pride by rolling them down with her wheel, the wheel of justice. To a lower place. The griffin, with its paws upon her wheel, was Im an image adopted by the Romans to symbolise justice. Did you know, Dave, that an Italian writer, Arius, 
gave us a new species of griffin. No. It's an unlikely pairing of a horse and a griffin. Do you know what I'm talking about now? <gasps> yes, I do. We both have a toy one. It's a hippogriff. It's the hippogriff. The legend goes that the hippogriff can only be trained by a hero and it flies up to an earthly paradise if you wow. manage to catch one. And 17 centuries later, JK has brought the hippogriff back. She did. <laughs> yes, she did. So, special abilities. As you can probably imagine, the griffin is a terrible enemy in fight. It has the strength of a lion and it can launch aerial attacks with its huge <sighs> wings. Yes. Ancient historians claimed that this creature preyed on elephants and giraffes. Alchemists and early physicians, <laughs> alchemists and early physicians thought the beast's claws and feathers could res restore sight to the blind. Oh, a little bit phoenixy. Yeah, definitely. And also, what is it with physicians? you know, using animal claws oh, and I know. tusks and blubber and, you know, get over it. <laughs> <laughs> Do some man-made shit. Stop <laughs> using all the animals. <laughs> I can't talk right now. I'm doing man-made doctor shit. Just do man-made doctor shit. <laughs> Make some glasses, then you'll be able to see. <laughs> you don't need no griffin feathers for that. <laughs> <laughs> the griffin's eggs were also valuable and they were made into goblets and drinking from them was said to prolong your life. Oh, really? Yeah. It has a strong grip to guard and protect its treasures as like dragons, the griffin likes shiny objects, especially gold. And it likes to nest in rocky areas where seams of gold can be found and nuggets of gold can be found scattered around its nest. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know all that. I didn't know any of this. Well, there you go. That's why we do the podcast, Dave. Yeah. To find out more. So can we find griffins in good old blighty? Of course. Yes, we can. And my trusty book of the law of the land tells us the story of just that. So I'm going to tell you a little story now. Fabulous. At the end of Bottom Lane in the hamlet of Griffendam in Leicestershire is an old well that is known never to fail. One morning, an old woman went to draw water from the well and was horrified to see a huge creature with wings and claws and a golden mane lying in front of the well, fast asleep. <gasps> Dropping her bucket, she ran as fast as she could back to the village to tell of what she'd seen. Right, old gossip. Oh, God, I bet she couldn't wait. She couldn't wait. Susan Carter all over her. <laughs> She is Susan Carter of the village. <laughs> the gossip spread like wildfire and soon the whole village had gathered 
at the well to see the mighty beast. All day long, the griffin lay in front of the well, fast asleep. None of the villagers were brave enough to challenge the beast. So they left and gathered water from a neighbouring village, fearing the beast of the well. It didn't give two shits. No, it was just having a real good snooze. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, this is my well now. Yes, my well now, bitches. Get your own well. (laughs) About a week later, a brave knight came riding into Gryffindam and asked for water for his horse. The villagers told the brave knight of their plight. He, uh, I mean, the, the griffin's still there, still asleep, a week later. Oh, blooming hell. He's having a right old snooze. Yeah. He called to the village blacksmith to make him a huge bow and an arrow with the sharpest of heads. At this point... The griffin woke from his slumber and gave a great yawn. Do you think then, a, do you think his yawn would be bird-like or lion-like? <laughs> lion-like. Yeah. So a bit I'm going roary. with lion-like. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Maybe a bit of both. Mm. Yeah. Um so Sorry. At this point, Griffin woke from his slumber and gave a great yawn, lion-like yawn. (laughs) The knight knight shot his arrow straight (gasps) into its mouth. The griffin gave a great screech and died. This story is what gave Gryffindam its name. So what was it called before it was called Gryffindam? It was uh, Dan. It was just called Dan. Well Village. Well Village. <laughs> bottom Lane. Bottom. Well Bottom. Well Bottom Lane. <laughs> <laughs> the story goes that the hide of the poor griffin was taken and hung in the local church, and brides still walk under it to this day. Locals believe this story was spawned from a carving of a griffin which is hung to in the church. Wow, we need to go there. This needs to be added to the list. Yeah, no. Where do you reckon that uh, hide is? Do you reckon it's like in the walls, secretly in the yeah. walls, the griffin hide? But yeah, that's my griffin facts. I love that. Absolutely love that. And I love how I didn't realise that griffins started in sort of more um, Middle Eastern parts. So, you know, um, Egypt and that sort of area. Yeah. Mesopotamia. Yeah. And then went into sort of ancient Greece and ancient Rome and then came into Europe. And because they're... Used in heraldry massively, aren't they now? Yeah, and quite a lot of like medieval, I feel like griffins were, you know, and and Victorian age, people were like obsessed with griffins, weren't they? Yeah. So, and C.S. Lewis wrote Griffin in uh, Alice in Wonderland, isn't there? Yeah, there's griffins in Alice in Wonderland, there's griffins in Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah. Not in not in um, Lord of the Rings. He just liked no. giant eagles. 
Oh, and who doesn't? Who, who doesn't, doesn't like a, a giant eagle? Who doesn't like a giant eagle? No one. No one doesn't like them. No one doesn't like them. They all love them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was so good. I really enjoyed that. Thank good. you. You're welcome. Oh, fab you less. Well yeah. done, us. Mythical yeah. Creature Surprise has been a true success. <laughs> I loved it. Yes. So, so yes. we have got something exciting coming in March, if you can remember from the plans. Right. No. <laughs> So, we've planned in March to do the March Mysteries. Oh, yes. Yes. So, starting on the first Friday in March, we're going to be releasing shorter episodes every Friday, and we're going to cover four different mysteries. We are. Fingers crossed. Well, (laughs) it'll happen. It'll happen. Because we've said it now, we've put it into the ether. (laughs) (laughs) I've got to do it. (laughs) Yeah. So there'll be two mysteries from me and two mysteries from Soph. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited. I know. So we can look forward to that. Yes. But thank you, listeners, for listening to Not For The Dinner Table, The Socially Distant Saga. If you enjoyed this episode, why not check out some of our other mythical creature episodes such as episode 29 mermaids selkies morgans oh my yeah episode 19 mythical creature surprise yeah and which is the one on snally cats episode 38 snally cats 38 snally cats and we'll put all of those links in our show notes If you'd like to help the podcast grow, then spread the word and tell a friend about Not For The Dinner Table. And if you'd like to go one further than that, then please leave a review wherever you found the podcast. Five stars would be perfect. It would be lovely. You can follow us on our social media platforms on Twitter at NFTDT. Come and say hello. We're we're active mostly on Twitter and Instagram. Yes. And you can follow us on Instagram at not for the underscore dinner table. Please do. You can like our Facebook page, which is not for the dinner table, or you can email us on not for the dinner table at gmail.com where you can send us suggestions for episodes. We do cover spooky stuff as well. So if you have any listener stories or experiences mm. around ghosts, strange things going on, cryptids, UFOs. I'd particularly like to hear from somebody that's had an alien encounter. Oh, yes. Yeah. Then send those in to that email address. That's not for the dinner table at gmail.com. You need to talk to Elon Musk. I think think we could probably book him. (laughs) I think we could probably book him. Let's get him. (laughs) The podcast is written and produced by... Me... And me and our logo was created by the amazing Kaylee, and you can see more of her work on Instagram at K Creates Design. Our music was by the wonderful Chris Scott. And remember, everyone is welcome at our dinner table, except um, well, I don't really like the um, the knight that killed the griffin. Yeah, he's in out. Griffin I don't want Dam. him. No. I know he's trying to do a good thing there, but, you know, 
a griffin's beautiful creature. And we could have had like a whole griffin population by now. Exactly. Exactly. And we could have had hippogriffs if it had mated with a horse. (laughs) (laughs) So... If you, if you need to be mad at anyone for not yeah. having hippogriffs, be yeah. mad at that knight. Yeah. Does he have a Un- name? Unknown knight. Unknown knight one. Yeah. Just in case we encounter more unknown knights as our podcast continues. <laughs> <laughs> he is unknown knight number one. Yes. Not welcome. No. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everyone. Goodbye. <laughs> Unknown night one. Uh, I'm going to go out of my way to find more unknown nights now. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I insist. Ah, lovely. The Dinner Table is part of Britpod Scene, an independent network of uniquely British podcasts that's always growing. Check out BritpodScene.com or follow Britpod Scene on Twitter to find out more. Oh.